Number one is the mindset. So people who are able to you know, get successful are not the smartest people. They are not the people with you know, the highest potential or you know, the track record of performance. These are people who mentally are so strong. They are so resilient. They believe in themselves. As soon as you get on an interview call with you know, a recruiter at these big companies, your resume is garbage. Your resume yep. does not matter anymore. As soon as you speak your first word, that's when they start, you know, finding out who is the who is the guy behind that one or two page document. Right? You wanna... All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Today we're gonna to be talking about how to break into the big four. How to break into management consultant and to do that I have an amazing amazing guest for you today i have johan meta he's a career coach a change management consultant and a dad of three johan welcome to the show how are you doing today daniel thank you so much for having me today super super pumped about our episode today and yeah i mean i've heard so many things about you followed you for the past three years and and i'm thanking my stars to be live over here today with you so thank you for having me no, no, I, I love, you know, you know, one of my favorite parts about this podcast is not only that we're going to be able to create some good content, but for me, as someone that loves networking, loves building relationship is getting to, you know, talk to and have conversations with amazing individuals who are doing really amazing things and bringing them into the platform. Because I, like, to me, is like, how do we get more people to listen to you, to, 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 to give you a platform to to get more people to understand and learn really amazing things so they can reach their goals. So when I get to connect and, and, and meet individuals like yourself who are so passionate, so knowledgeable, and are already making so much impact in the world, like I was like, I just want to like amplify that. And so uh, super excited that you're here. Thank you for, for coming to the platform. And I'm glad that we're able to connect. I know we've had uh, conversations before uh, the podcast, but uh, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about you, you know, you, I look at your background, super impressive. You worked for some amazing companies and now you're spending also a lot of time you, you're doing career coaching. What really motivated you to, to get into the career coaching space? Yeah, Daniel, again, thank you so much for having me. So interestingly enough, you know, I have always had an in inclination towards helping and serving people. Um, and ever since I was an undergrad, and, and this is a long time ago, um, I, I did my undergrad in psychology um, and I chose that purposefully because I wanted a career where I was understanding human psychology, human behavior. Um, and then in whatever profession I chose after graduation, being able to help empower and serve people is, is what I had always visioned and visioned for my career. Um, while I was an undergrad, I also had a chance to work for the career center office uh, at my university. And this is where I had first exposure to students, international students. Um, and, and I got a job over there, you know, helping and serving people uh, from, from people who were just about to graduate, actually, um, and connecting them with potential employers, looking at their profile, updating things like their career documents. Um, and these were, you know, 15 years ago, these were the, the seeds um, that, that sprouted and, and, and my interest for coaching began. 
After that, um, in terms of my career, you know, it, it prim- primarily focused on consulting. Mm-hmm. So I have over the last 10, 12 years worked in, you know, the big name, big four consulting firms. Uh, however, that inclination towards careers and coaching and, and all of that still remained, even though I wasn't doing that as a full-time career. So what happened, interestingly enough, when COVID hit back in March 2020, um, again, <clears throat> there was a there was a, a think there was a thought process around you know there are so many people in need of help uh, you know people getting laid off yeah. left right and center people feeling anxious about the future and I had an influx of people reaching out to me at the same time on LinkedIn you know saying Johan we see that you've worked in in the career center we know you've worked for top companies you know we really need some guidance. Um, and this is where I said, you know what, uh, in addition to at that time, I was, you know, with Deloitte and I still am with Deloitte. But um, this is where I started thinking about, you know, how can I serve these people? And I started really educating myself uh, with regards to coaching, with regards to career development. Uh, so I self-educated myself, uh, you know, following influencers, taking courses, uh, doing certifications. And, and then I started serving people, you know, one by one by one. And uh, over the past three years, it's, you know, August 2023. So it's been just over three years. I have served over 300 professionals um, and I have helped them land jobs, you know, in top tier um, firms, including, you know, consulting firms, the top retailers, the top banks over here in Canada. Um, so, yeah, it's been an incredible past three years. That, that's simply amazing. I want to learn more about, you know, in your experience now as a coach, so you've had a lot of success personally, which then you then translated into like helping and mentoring others be successful about it. But now that, you know, you, you just mentioned you've worked with over 300 professionals to get, get uh, jobs. What have you noticed the difference between the ones that get like the, the best, best jobs and the ones that get a good job? Like what are those little things or maybe big things that makes them different, makes them stand out, that ultimately gets them those offers, gets them the higher pay and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I think to me, it boils down, Daniel, to three fundamental things. So the people who are successful versus the people who struggle or, or maybe, you know, they get success, but it takes them a long time to achieve that success. There are three things that stand out. Number one is the mindset. So people who are able to, you know, get successful are not the smartest people. They are not the people with, you know, the highest potential or, you know, the track record of performance. These are people who mentally are so strong. They are so resilient. They believe in themselves. They are able to overcome doubt, uncertainty, fear, which, you know, inevitably all job seekers face. So I think number one is mindset. Number two is attitude. Right. So how are you, you know, once you have that strong mindset, how are you going to approach the job search? Right. Are you going to go about, you know, thinking that nothing's going to work out or are you going to go in there with a positive mindset, with a positive attitude? And that self then leads into more confidence. Now, if you believe in yourself, if you have confidence in your abilities, uh, you know, that automatically comes across when you have a conversation with someone else as well. So, so again, you don't need to be the smartest person out there. Um, you know, in fact, a lot of the people who I've helped are not the smartest people. They are not people who graduated from top tier schools. They're not people with the highest GPAs. Um, these are, you know, very average uh, students, very average professionals 
who, you know, with the right training, coaching, have gone on to attain really good professions. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing I would say is taking action. Yeah. Right. So uh, irrespective of how much knowledge you have, you know, how much training you go through, you know, putting together the best resumes and LinkedIn profiles, if you don't take action uh, in terms of how you use that resume, if you don't take action in terms of how you reach out and network with people, if you don't take action on elevating your personal brand, um, then again, your intelligence and your past performers, performance and your experience is of no use. Um, so the people who I see being successful do these three things. Again, strong mindset, positive attitude, fueled with confidence, uh, and then taking massive action. I, I would agree with you. You know, I've been uh, mentoring students for a little bit longer, right, for like over 10 years now. And, um, and I've been doing this full time for five years. But um, I would agree, like, it's not, it doesn't correlate. It's not always to say that the person that went into Harvard with a 4.0 GPA is the one to get it. Now, that does open doors. I'm not saying that you, that doesn't help. That obviously helps. It's, it's one of those things that's like uh, hustle over talent kind of thing. It's like, like, Hustle to me is more important than talent, but if you're talented and hustle, that's obviously a really good combination. So I'm not here to say that if you don't have that experience, that you're going to beat every single person from a top school. No, but you will be a lot of people from those top schools who don't take action, who don't believe in themselves, right? Who are not, you know, networking or who are not finding ways to stand out and gain that visibility. And I would agree, a lot, everything that you said is, is so true. And so I want to echo it because, like, we have actually not really talking about our, our different success from our clients, but the fact that you know you can go and say, I've worked with 300, I can say I've worked with the thousands, right? We still find the same commonality. It, it's it find very common trends on what's the difference between the individual that gets into the, 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 the top like consulting firms or the big four accounting firms or the big uh, finance companies or the big tech companies. It's exactly what you just said. And I would 100% echo that, that sentiment. Now, look, a lot of the companies like that, that people reach out to us to want to work for, like, you know, like the Googles or the Deloitte or the uh, PCNG or the McKenzie's of the world, right? Um, they get hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of applications, right? Like if you, you can Google how many applications are received per job, I, I, you're going to get different numbers. But the, the most common number I get is around 250 applications per, per, per job posting. Now, we know that's on average... And that's really brought down, right, by a lot of smaller companies that might only get 10, 15 companies. We also know, like, I, even going from Pepsi, who I would say is a good, it's in a great organization, but it's not a McKinsey um, type of company, um, they get thousands of applications. So how do you stand out? Like, I, I want to break into the big four. I want to go into consulting. I want to go into big finance, right? I want to be an investment banker. Like, I want to go into those top, top tier professions. What do I do? I'm lost. Like, well, what do you suggest? <laughs> no, that's a question I get, you know, almost on a weekly basis. And, and I've been getting this question, you know, ever since I started with Accenture, which was, you know, one of the, the yeah. big consulting firms I started working for 10 years ago. Um, and, and, you know, my, my answer has is, is always been the same for the past 10 years. Uh, what you need to do in order to stand out is what other people are not doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So think about that again. What you need to do in order to stand out is do things differently than what everybody else is doing. So let's break this down a little bit. Yes. Now, everybody, first of all, everybody wants to work for these big companies, whether they 
themselves want to work for it or you know it's societal pressure or parental pressure you know everybody wants to work for the deloids and the googles and the teslas of the world the challenge however is these places also have the highest competition mm-hmm. um and i i mean i've read about it but i know this firsthand because i have recruited for accenture i have recruited after that for walmart at their head office over here and and you know in 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 my role at deloitte i was also required to recruit so i know how you know competitive it can be to get into these big firms in fact at deloitte you know during covid and and back in 2021 2022 we had 700 to 800 applications for you know project management change management those kind of roles um so you can imagine it it's no longer 2 300 that it used to be the competition is so intense with so many people laid off with you know so many hiring freezes happening um so your competition has essentially gone up 3 to 5 times now they can only hire one person out of 500 600 700 so how do you you know push yourself to be that number one where that well there's many things to do the first thing is like i said you know you have to have the right mindset mm-hmm. so you have to believe that you have the talent the caliber the potential to be able to even work um and 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 get the breakthrough in these companies if you feel that you know i'm not good enough i'm not strong enough i don't have the experience that itself that limiting mindset itself will manifest itself negatively uh and you more than likely won't won't get an interview despite of your qualifications so number one mindset number two uh again thinking differently right so everybody applying for it will have a strong resume they're going to have a decent linkedin profile right they're going to be doing a decent enough job connecting and networking and all of this what i recommend to people is don't try to sell yourself based on your resume and your linkedin think about overall what your personal brand is yeah okay and and when i say personal brand it inclu- includes all of this it includes you know your website your linkedin your online presence your resume you know your story all of this combined together right what is the reputation um, that you have created for yourself so that's number 2 number 3 is building authentic connections so i don't like the term networking uh, what i what i like instead is you know building authentic connections now this is more of a long term play uh, you can build connections and relationships in a matter of days and weeks you know it typically takes at least a few weeks uh if not months so that's more of a long term play and that's if you know you 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 are okay to wait for a few months to get a break into these big tier companies sometimes you don't have the luxury you're graduating you need to you know get a job within the next few months in that case you know you need to be a little more uh assertive aggressive with your approach but you still you never know networking can yield results sometimes in in just a matter of few days few weeks as well yeah then i would say after that is um you know a lot of people apply for the job you know tailor their resume network and all of this and they stop right there uh, i would say that's only 50% of the battle the remaining 50% is what do you do after you have applied for the job uh in fact i was talking to you know a, a friend of mine you know who i'm supporting with with uh, with coaching and she said johan you know before her and i connected uh you know she was all she was doing was customizing her resume her linkedin is extremely strong and she was applying and she was getting a few interviews here and there now what we decided to do is for every single application messaging three or four people okay yep. this is you know mm. someone you know at the company 
someone that you know that might know someone else and, and get an introduction over there. The hiring manager, if you're able to find them, right? And the recruiter. So for every application, this is just, she just started doing this two weeks ago. And for every application, she started messaging these four stakeholder groups. And guess what? She's received almost an interview for every job she's applied to. Yeah. So she's applied in the past two weeks for about seven or eight jobs. And she told me this morning, she's got five interviews lined up. I want to slow down right. and talk a little bit about what you're saying here, because it's so, so, so important. Um, and I think people like are focused so much on the quantity of the applications that they lack the quality of the applications, right? Because it's, you know, here's the problem, right? The internet has made it so easy to apply for jobs that it's made it so difficult for you to get noticed, right? And so when all you're doing is, is just applying and you're one of 800 applicants, like you were mentioning, I think you said 500 applicants actually that you were mentioning, um, it's gonna be very hard for you to stand out because then you're just being judged on your application. But when you can add networking into there, right? And you can go above and beyond and go the extra mile, that's gonna really help you set up. Um, I do a, like, a, like a workshop or a webinar once a week that it's called how to instantly beat 85% of all other candidates. And the reason, and the way that we talk about doing that is like saying, if, if you can get to the interview, you will instantly beat 75% uh, of, or 85% of all candidates because of the fact that getting to the interview is the hardest part. So let me ask you a, a question, generally speaking, right? If you were to have gotten 500 applications, how many of those people actually got interviewed? Yeah, great question. So if we, and this is very, very typical yeah. at Deloitte in Canada, at least, we do get anywhere from 300 to 500 applications, yeah. especially now with the market being down. So many people laid off from tech and, and you know, even other consulting yeah. firms like Accenture with their layoffs recently. Um, so what we do is obviously the recruiter doesn't have time to go over 500 applications irrespective of what people tell you, we, they just don't have the time. And the reason for this is they're working on multiple roles, multiple right. requisitions at the same time. And each one, if they're getting 300 applications, that's like that's like over 2000 applications to look at for different roles. So nobody has that kind of time because they have other things they do besides just looking at resumes. So in this case, how do you get an interview? And then how many people end up getting the interview? The people who typically get the interview are either referrals or recommendations. Let me explain the difference between the two. A referral is basically, you know, you tell me, Daniel, you want to work for Deloitte. You know, I like your profile and I put in an online referral for you through the system. Right. Um, and then you go through the process. Now, the challenge with referrals and why referrals, you know, used to be very, very powerful, but they have lost a little bit of their power, especially at these big, you know, big firms is because every fifth application that comes in these days is through a referral, right? So, so again, even if it's, you know, one fifth people to interview, that's, that's still about hundred people to interview. That's still a lot of people to interview. So they don't have time to interview hundred people. So then who else, what else takes precedence? And this is where I would say recommendations. So going one step above a referral. So not just, you know, me putting in an online referral for you, Daniel, but then me connecting you before connecting you, putting in a referral with the hiring manager directly. Mm -hmm. So I will go, I will find out who is hiring for this role. I will put in a word for you saying, Daniel, you know, I know him personally. He's done exactly what you're looking for. This is his track record of success. Here's a copy of his resume and LinkedIn. Give him a chance to interview. You won't regret it. Right. Yeah. If, and obviously I need to have that credibility with the, with the recruiter as well. 
Um, and if I do that, Daniel, um, again, your chances of getting at least that interview skyrocket. And, yeah. and you are then way ahead of everybody else. Um, so so and, let's break and, this down further, because I think you're saying some really good things. And I just want to make sure that the listeners here like, are putting this piece together, right? You have... 500, and I'm, I guess we're generalizing another role. Different roles will have different number of applications. Different companies will have di- different demand. For in this scenario, we're saying, okay, there's 500 applications. It is impossible for them to uh, to to interview 500 people for this role. So they have to be selected. So they're going to go and say, okay, let's look at the referral list first. If we can't find people from that list, which is still one-fifth, we just say it's still about 100 people, then we're going to try to start narrowing that down. And I think a really good point you said is that not all referrals are created equal, right? Just because someone put uh, gives you a link or say, hey, put my email or put my name on the application or, hey, no worries, I'll submit you in the, in, in the internal referral program. Because every company has a referral system in place. It might be a little bit different, right? It doesn't, that's not as strong as going out of your way, finding the hiring manager, sending the hiring manager an email, or if you're in the same location, going to the hiring manager's office and saying, hey, I saw that you have this role open. I just wanted to share with you a profile of somebody that I personally know that 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 that, that puts a lot more weight in it. And then for all of you that are listening, I want you to think about this, right? Resumes are the most biased document in the world. It's all of the good things you've ever done in your life and none of the bad, right? And the reality is the most people and if you even Google what the stats are, like 75 to 80% of people lie or exaggerate on their resume. And it's, it's very normal for us to embellish or like, like if you manage five people, say you manage 15, or if, you, if you're trying to put a bullet point that you say, I grew this by 77% when in reality it could have been 15% because you know that it cannot be proven. Like, I get it. And do you not think that recruiters and hiring managers know that? And so when a, a seasoned recruiter and a seasoned hiring manager, especially if you're going after these big companies, they have people with experience looking at this stuff. They're not, uh, you know, they, they know that people are lying or exaggerating. They're, they're not believing everything the resume is. This is why no one gets hired just on the resume. This is why we have to have interviews to essentially kind of double check or fact check what you said there. But if I get a resume, from someone that I have a relationship with, that I trust, that I know that have a good performance track record themselves, that then that resume is as believable as the relationship that I have with the referral. And that's where the difference between a referral and a recommendation, it doesn't seem like a big difference for you who are networking on LinkedIn, but it's a massive difference in determining whether you get the shot at the interview or not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to come back to your point around, you know, let's say we get 300 applications, how many will be called for an interview, right? So 300 applications, you know, there would be about 50 to 70 people who went through a referral. Like I said, not all referrals get interviews. So there might be a couple from there, right? And then most likely the rest of them are recommendations. Overall, about five to seven people will be called in for first round interviews. Mm-hmm. Depends if the hiring manager likes more or, or sorry, if the recruiter recommends more to the hiring manager, it might even go up to 10 to 15, but no more than 15 mm-hmm. typically Yeah. Uh, for the first round. Um, the first round typically these days in the big consulting firms is all automated. So when I say automated, you know, it's a higher view interview. That's the yeah. software we use over here where, you know, you're sitting in front of your computer with your camera on, on video, and they give you about seven, eight questions. 
um, and you're just answering the questions. They give you about one to two minutes to answer your question um, and it all gets recorded and then the recruiter assesses to see if you are a good fit for the role for the company before moving you on to round two. So that's typical. Now from about 10 people, I would say they narrow it down to about five uh, or from 15 people to about seven or eight people for round two. Um, and then for round three and the final round, it's typically around two or three. So your top yeah. three candidates. I and want then to they break, give the offer to one. I want us to break down the reason why companies have all of these steps because it's not meant to make it like, it's actually, it's not meant to make it very hard. It's not, they're, they're not doing it to make your life complicated, right? They're not doing that to, to say, oh, we want to make your life miserable. No, they're doing it to try to be as most efficient as they can, right? The first round is the screening interview, which now a lot of companies are using a video like HireVue or some sort of software that allows either a recruiter to see. I've even heard companies that are using AI to actually be able to, to do that same type of feature. And, 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 and that could be a good thing because maybe instead of having only 50 people do that higher view, maybe all 500 people in the future could do higher view if that doesn't mean a human actually reviewing every single one of them. But the idea is to create efficiency or like a, narrow it down every single time so that as you're getting further and further in the process, you're wasting less and less time of the senior leaders whose time is more valuable, right? The hiring manager doesn't have time to review 500 resumes. That's why the recruiter and the recruiter has a coordinator and the coordinator might have an intern. Why that's why there's all these steps right? to, to try to facilitate and filter through out of those 500 people, right? Uh, a more manageable number. And you're, you're right. Like I think some hiring managers are like, no, schedule all 10 people that you, you pass. And some hiring managers might be like, oh, I just want the top three. And I think it depends on the individual themselves, just like, all of us, there's like, I think when, think about how you shop, right? There's people who want to review every damn product, even if they're looking to buy just a toothbrush. And there's people who are just like, no, just give me the top three uh, rated toothbrush and let me pick from there. And then there's other people like myself who I tell my wife, I'm like, I don't care what toothbrush it is, just pick one, right? <laughs> as long as it brushes my teeth, it's all good. <laughs> right. And so I think it's the same thing for the hiring manager and their, and their preference whether they want to be super involved, like I want to, I want to talk to all ten, top three, or just say, "Hey, recruiter, I trust your judgment. We've been working here for a long time. Go ahead and hire who you think is best, right?" And so you, you, you get a little bit of mix on that. Um, I, I do want to ask you about uh, how to get a job without applying online. Yeah, fantastic question. Before I get to that question, okay, yeah, I just yeah. want to wrap up this conversation we're having. So in terms of, you know, the three rounds or four rounds that happen, typically the first round is, you know, through higher view on video, or it could be a recruiter screening as well. Essentially what they are looking for is first of all, validating what you said on your resume. Yeah. Right. Because as soon as you get on an interview call with, you know, a recruiter, at these big companies, your resume is garbage. Your yep. resume does not matter anymore. As soon as you speak your first word, that's when they start, you know, finding out who is the who is the guy behind that one or two page document, right? Uh, they're judging you for many things. They're judging you for your confidence. They're judging you for your interpersonal, um, you know, they're judging you for your communication skills, uh, obviously, in terms of are you clear? Are you succinct? Can they have confidence putting you in front of clients, right? 
because these companies are billing clients thousands of dollars for you every single day. If, if they don't have the confidence that you can communicate clearly, you can hold up a good conversation, they're not going to put you in front of clients. If they can't put you in front of clients, guess what? You're not moving on to the second round, right? Yeah. So, so be prepared for that. Uh, be prepared to talk about, you know, how you fit the role, why you're interested in the company, have an idea of what salary you're expecting, right? And do some research on the budget they have for the role and then go in with one or two good questions to ask. Right? Yeah. If you do that, you're good for the first round. Second round, what you want to do is you want to take the job posting and you want to reverse engineer that, right? You want to see what are the five or six skills they're looking for. Hard skills such as, you know, strategic planning, project management, analyzing data, as well as soft skills. So things like problem solving, critical thinking, coming up with innovative ideas, right? That's typically the, the top five or six skills that consulting firms look for. Um, adaptability is, is, you know, the number one skill right now, in fact, that, that employers, you know, at these big companies look for, especially after COVID. Uh, so be prepared uh, with at least, you know, seven to 10 career stories uh, of, you know, career success, career accomplishments as they tie in to the job posting, right? So that's round two. It's, it's a combination of, you know, your technical skills. So if it's a project manager role, obviously, you know, your project management expertise, along with your, your uh, soft skills through behavioral questions. Uh, and then the final round is all about culture fit. So, okay, um, you know, I know you can do the job. I know you can present in front of clients. I have confidence. However, how well are you going to fit into the culture? Are you going to be a culture ad? Are you going to get along with the team? Are you going to stay with the company for, you know, at least a couple of years? Um, so that's more of the culture fit round. So that's the breakdown. No, I, I love that. And I think it's super important to also understand like, like every single part of the interview might be with different share stakeholders. And so like what a recruiter is looking for, their, their job is to look like, does this individual meet the qualifications that the hiring manager is requesting for this particular role, right? Uh, the hiring manager is maybe double check the qualifications, but they're also going to be looking at like, can this person represent the team well? Can they speak in front of the client? And I think that's where in the, in the last round, when you were saying the cultural part, that's where I see a lot of times that you see like a more senior, whether it's a partner or a director that starts getting involved into the last round because they're not, not only looking for, can you do this job, but can you do the next roles moving forward? And especially when we're going into the consulting finance and then uh, accounting uh, fields where they're looking, can we see this person being a partner in the long term? Because that's what they want. And if you think about what all these, whether it's the big four, whether it's uh, uh, the, the big consulting agencies, or whether you're going into the big um, like investment banking company, like companies like the Goldman Sachs of the world, right? They, uh, it's all ultimately going to come down to the people, right? Like they can only grow as much as the, the, the talent and the partners and the business they bring in. And so I think that's what's really important. And I would even say this, like, one skill, and this is not about how you get the job, but this is more about how you maintain the job and grow in these firms. If you have aspirations to be a partner in any of these types of uh, or like competitive organizations, right? You have to learn how to sell because that's the key. Like it's, it's all about how much business can you bring in, retain? How many can you upsell your clients into new projects because you're able to identify opportunities? Uh, and so it doesn't matter how smart you are. But if you're not maintaining, keeping those clients and upselling them on new products or bringing in new business, uh, you're not going to get a partnership um, 
Yeah. And a lot of people I feel, you know, they, they feel very intimidated by the word selling, mm -hmm. whether that is selling themselves on their resume or selling themselves on their interview. So what I like to say instead is, you know, if you're not comfortable with the word selling yourself, think about how you can serve, right? Yeah. So serving is a different way of looking at it or supporting. Essentially, you're doing the same thing, but it's more of a softer, you know, yeah. softer language. Um, and, and in every job you are serving, you are yeah. serving, you know, your internal employees, you're serving, you know, people who you're working with, you're serving your customers, your vendors, your clients. Um, and, and if you operate from that mindset of, you know, serving and, and, and this is what then helps with growth as well. Yeah. Now, while doing that, obviously, you know, you want to do so in a very, you know, collaborative way, as opposed to, you know, I'm better than this person or this, you know, so in consulting, typically you'll find people who are extremely smart with very high IQs. But I feel the people who really progress are not the people, again, with the highest IQs, they're the people with the highest EQs. Mm -hmm. So they know, they know, you know, to be smart, to, you know, to to uh, speak up for themselves and sell themselves and, and support their clients. But they do so using empathy. Yeah. They do so using more of a, a, an inclusive approach as opposed to, you know, I put this presentation together or it's all about my promotion. Yeah. Um, and that typically, you know, leads to, it doesn't lead to positive results. Yeah. And, and, and they stall their career with that mindset. No, I love it. I, I love what your explanation and also to sales. Like, I think people think of sales like a used car salesman, like, you know, like trying to rip them off. But like the really good sales, especially when you're talking about B2B high level sales, it's all about problem solving. So uh, the, the better you can solve and collaborate and, and, and create win-win situations like you know the better long term you're going to be so i know you i know we're going to kind of run out of time here i did want to just address back the question really quick and kind of wrap it up uh it's crazy how fast we're already over 30 minutes generally our podcast ends at 30 minutes um i know when we were talking that about how to get into these top companies without applying on like what do i mean by that because i think super scary when i hear that i'm like yeah that sounds too good to be true but i, I would love for you to dive deeper into yeah. it yeah yeah so first of all you know before i answer the question um i want to say that i have landed jobs at accenture deloitte and um walmart so three top global companies and i did not submit a single resume for any of these companies um in fact i've had you know other associations and partnerships with other firms as well through you know volunteer work and all of this and again uh, my my resume was never asked you know at, at least in the initial conversation so then how can you do the same for yourself now i'm not saying that don't have a resume definitely mm -hmm. have a resume make sure you know you're customizing your resume before you submit it for the role but as you were saying daniel before right people can pay a resume writer and and get the most fantastic resume out there but a resume is only as good as, you know, the person behind it, the person, you know, who's actually going to interview, who's actually going to perform in the role. So these days, the market is extremely, extremely competitive, right? Uh, everybody has a good resume. Everybody has a strong LinkedIn profile. So how can you still land interviews and land jobs without using your resume, without over relying on your LinkedIn profile? And the number one thing I, I, I recommend over here is your personal brand, right? And, and, and first of all, you know, knowing what your personal brand is, uh, feeling very confident about your personal brand, and then going out there and conveying your personal brand. 
Now, how do you do this? You do this through networking. You do this through building relationships. Okay. Um, and, and all of this happens, you know, step by step in a very intentional way. So first of all, figure out, you know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to work? What kind of roles do you want to do? After that, you want to create a brand around that, right? So let's say you want to pick, I don't know, you want to, you want a marketing role with the top four companies, right? So, so you want to pick, okay, specifically in marketing, what roles would you be qualified for? What levels, um, you know, and, and what areas? Is it going to be digital marketing? Is it going to be SEO? Is it going to be ads, right? So pick, pick your niche over there. Then create a brand around that. So everything from your resume, cover letter, LinkedIn should speak to how you are an expert in digital marketing. You know, what problems can you solve for, for these potential employers? What solutions are you able to bring? What is your track record of success? Like, what have you done in the past? If you don't have experience, I want to see some projects. I want to see yeah. some, you know, initiatives you've taken, some freelancing work you've done, right? Where it, it gives me the confidence as an employer that, okay, he may not be the one with, you know, the experience, but I see potential in him, right? And sometimes, you know, especially students, students get hired for potential, not for performance, mm -hmm. right? And, and if you show me that potential through initiatives, through projects, through a good website, through a good, you know, GitHub portfolio um, or a value validation project, right? I am more inclined, I'm more inclined to at least give you the chance for an interview. And then networking. So it's all about, you know, going out there, knowing who to network with in your target companies, you know, decision makers, recruiters, people on the team you'd be working with, right? Get your name out there to these people. You know, and in the conversations you have, make yourself memorable, make them remember you for, you know, all the great work you've done. Um, and then, you know, when there are openings, don't, you know, don't feel shy or intimidated to reach out to them, right? Yeah. Uh, either before applying or after you've applied for the role. No, so I no. think these, these few strategies, yeah. That's, that's super amazing. I, I, I agree. I think like if, if you are, ne if, if, if you are networking, right, um, that's going to open a lot of that. If you're building genuine relationships, it's going to open doors. The only thing is like, that I would say, like, it's like, it does take time. Like you don't expect to get a job in two weeks and not apply for a job because you're building those relationships. That does take time. And I think what, what I found is that it's, it, it's, it's better when you are either a student and you have like two semesters to do this or you're working and you're happy with your job, but you're open to different opportunities where opportunities will come to you, those types of opportunities come to you. If you have like less than 90 days to get a job, right? I think this process does take time to do without applying. I think if you apply and network, like what we were mentioning earlier, I think that's like kind of like the best strategy at this particular situation. But once you have that job and you're happy with your job, but want to be open to see what other opportunities are out there, 100% this is great. But now, yo, know, I know we, we are uh, definitely running out of time here. What I want to just give you the opportunity right before we wrap it up. If people listening to this podcast love what you have to say, want to learn more about what, what you do and what working with you looks like, what is the best way for them to contact you? So the only platform that I use and I'm on uh, actively is LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I think it's the number one, you know, not just social networking site out there. Uh, but, you know, everything from, you know, jobs to networking to building your brand, I think there is no platform that even comes close to LinkedIn. Um, so this is where you'll find me. Uh, you know, you can search me by first and last name. Um, and, and yeah, I do a lot of, you know, uh, free advice, free coaching. Um, so if you, for example, want me to review your resume or check out your LinkedIn profile, 
or you have an interview question you're struggling with, you don't know how to position yourself, more than happy to. Um, I also have an, an extensive network, you know, more so in Canada, a little bit in the U.S. when I was over there for my master's. Uh, I built, you know, some connections in the northeastern parts of the U.S., but more so in Canada, you know, if you want me to connect you with, you know, my connections, uh, recruiters, hiring managers, I'm more than happy to do that. But yes, LinkedIn is where you'd find me. Awesome, awesome. So I'll definitely put a link to your LinkedIn on the show notes so anybody uh, listening to this as well. As well, if you're not subscribed to our email list, when we post our new episode, we always put our guests' LinkedIn on a clickable link uh, so that you can also uh, get that information. Johan, thank you so much for, for definitely coming. This has been amazing. For all you listening, thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, um, I ask for a small favor. This podcast is absolutely free. I ask that you like, subscribe, and share it with one friend. You have a friend looking to break into the big four, looking to break into consulting. Share this episode with them. Now, be... This is a way you can support your friend. You can support us uh, by listening to this episode. Again, thank you so much and catch you guys on the next episode.